Scott Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm. We're back. Back. Q and A Tuesday. Fresh, uh, is that the sorry? Fresh coffee. Fresh. Coffee. We have fresh coffee. Uh, I've got to tell you, Erin's fantastic. She Aaron's knows the, the order. Best, world's best PA. Hey, can Aaron. we just talk about that very, very quickly? I've met a, a, a taxi driver. I hop into cabs heaps going from um, home to the airport or or. or um, Avengers. Everywhere, you're always Everywhere. flying, in, aren't you? in cabs. I met a cab driver, John, nine months ago, Mick the cabbie. I'll, he shows up at Haberfield at my house at 5.30 in the morning, and he has a soy flat white, extra awesome. hot, there for me. He's got fresh water. He asked me whether I want the radio on or off. He wants whether he wants me to plug my phone into a charger. To Is have he a Uber or just cab? He's a normal taxi driver. Okay. That's but outstanding. Here's a classic example of someone has, who's decided to differentiate themselves in a market, clean taxi all the time, and he said to me, 98% of his work is people sending him text Referral. messages, yeah. right? Come and pick me up here. He's the classic attraction taxi driver. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that, Tom, because I often, uh, I do quite a bit of work in cafes. If I'm in between meetings, rather than sort of go back to the office or home, I'll duck into a cafe for half an hour. And uh, especially now they've got Wi-Fi, which really helps, mm. right? So one of the things I'm astounded at is, is most of the time someone brings you water, a jug of water and glass, hardly ever do they fill the glass with the damn water. How long would it take? Three seconds. The chance that I give a tip or a bigger tip to that person as opposed to someone else, 98% to 100%. And yet, so, you know, this is a business podcast, but I love it. So Mick the cabbie says, you want the music up, down, want water, and he brings you a coffee, which is like blow your mind stuff. Cost him three bucks fifty. Probably makes an extra five hundred to a thousand dollars a year based on your gratuities, because you want his service or your extra business. Yeah. The same with that thing. You know, I'm yeah. constantly amazed. I watch people coming across, waiter, waitress, and they put the table down and the the, the water down, and I'm just kind of watching, and then they walk away, and I'm thinking, you know, yeah. if this is your chosen career, or even if it's your part-time job, doesn't matter. Whatever you do, you should do damn brilliantly. Um, why do you not go the extra mile and just do that. It's, it's a funny little thing, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. yeah, life is about, this is a game of inches real estate. And it's the little things you do. It's the SMS you send. It's the extra call you make. It's remembering the person's name. It's, it's you know, parking down the street rather than in front of the property during an auction or an open to give an extra client the Being opportunity. An, ex- an extra 10 minutes early before the open starts, making sure the lights are on. Little things like that, creating opportunities. But Peter Sissons, who's one of our sales managers from the North Shore, you would you know Peter? Tommy? Yes, He's a great guy. He used to run a brilliant agency up in Queensland, award-winning agency. Anyway, I had a meeting with him the other morning at 7am, and I'm, I'm sort of perpetually early and whatever, and, and I got there at 6.40, because I thought I was actually going to do a bit of work. It was a cafe. I know the guy gets in a bit earlier. And Pete's out the front. And I thought, oh, you must have had a good run through. He's come from the North Shore. And I said... Pete, you're early. He said, no, not really. He said, for me, 15 minutes before the scheduled appointment is on time. Yeah. And he said he learnt that from a youngster, and that was just that's one of his disciplines and mantras yeah. that, you know, if you've got a meeting at 3 o'clock, 2.45 is the right time to arrive. Yeah. So just great. These, these are little things, but they're important things for our listeners to always be aware of. All righty. The question. What are some of the great questions to ask while doing an appraisal for someone ready to sell? How can I stand out at a listing presentation and not just the standard kind of listing presentation? So it probably follows on from here. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you add those little points of difference that separate you? And uh, we talked about it last week, uh, JM, when you said um, sometimes 
putting questions to unpack a situation or a belief right. that a client may have. So um, great, great agents, Troy, ask questions. Bad agents make statements. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about... It should be 75, 25. You, know, you will make statements inevitably just to kind of put a reality check, but you should make a lot more, ask a lot more questions. Well, they start, at, they start before the listing present. I mean, a lot of these questions are beginning from uh, when you're meeting these people <laughs> at an open house, but let's assume that it all starts with a phone call where they call in and they say, Troy, we'd like you to come out and give us an estimate of what you think your house is worth and what the market's like. Uh, Jane, what are the questions that are going to start on that So once phone I've got call? the basic details, where's yeah. the property and, and so on and so forth, um, I kind of want to know a couple of things. One is I want to know what is their ballpark estimate on what it might be worth. Yeah. It kind of just fast tracks me to understand where they're at. Doesn't mean I'm going to agree, by the way. But We're it's, talking on the phone here. Or at an open. Or they an might open. say, look, I'd love you. What can you do after the open or tonight up when you've finished yeah. your auction? <coughs> so I always find that um, when I know what they think it's worth, that helps me firstly turn up with some comparable sales. Uh, and secondly is if they're super high in their optimism, it's good for me to know that before I get there because then I've got a different, slightly different way to approach it. Um, so for me, that's important. I'll often try and find out if they've done any significant capital expenditure on the property. Because nowadays with CoreLogic and RP Data, of course, you can get a bit of a ballpark estimate just off the, um, what do you call it? RP Data Pro or something. Pro on your the, mobile yeah, phone, yeah, the, the app. The app, which I'm sure everyone's got. So that kind of gives you there. Now, their estimate clearly doesn't take into consideration any significant renovations. Yeah. So they assume that you know, if you bought in um, Paddington and the market in Paddington the last three years has gone up 22%, they assume your property's gone up 22%, which yeah. it probably has if you haven't touched it. But if I know that you've done a total renovation and spent a million dollars, well, then that becomes irrelevant. So I kind of, I'll often say to someone, you know, could I just ask you, you've, I, I just noticed, because I've often got the app and the information up and open. So, 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 so John, you're, 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 that's a good tip. You're saying with the, the new connection economy and apps, you can actually be speaking to a client yeah. and you can actually be seeing images of that property. You can be seeing um, what it last sold for. You can be seeing who the owners are. And you can 100%. actually have a, a conversation with a position of strength where you're talking about that property in more detail. A hundred percent. And I do that all the time. So um, I'll just say, Tom, look, I, I've noticed, I'm just having a quick look at my database. I've noticed you've been there six or seven years now. Um, could I just ask, since you bought the property, have you made any major uh, capital improvements on the property or is it somewhat the way you bought it? And some people say, oh, no, we've gutted the whole thing and we've started again and we've got this great architect to do it. Or they'll say, oh, we've done a bit of painting and decorating, but it's pretty much the same. So yeah, I think just a process of asking people some refining and qualifying questions makes them feel they're in the hands of a pro already. So in, in some sense, I'm not saying the questions don't matter. I'm saying asking some reasonably good questions as opposed to trying to figure out what is the best question I could ask I'd ask a few, so that'd be two I'd start. Then, you know, when you get there, there's a few things. Generally, you know, what happens is you do a bit of a tour of the property up front. That's what most agents, they follow that protocol, and I, I do myself. I like to kind of understand what I'm talking about before I, I get into the you, detail. John, when you're going through, was it your tendency to take notes? De depends on the scenario. It depends if I'm on my own. If I'm with someone, and let's say that the person is a junior to me, whether it's a PA or whether it's an associate agent, I would probably ask them to take the notes. So that right. kind of keeps me free. If not, I would generally take some key notes. I don't take notes on every single detail. I try and 
curate the notes that I take so they're the more important factors. So if someone says, well, we had this home designed by Ian Halliday three years ago, I'd, I'd probably make a note of that. Because so for me, it's a bit of an important. I'm, I'm entering, Tom, the listing presentation with the assumption that we're going to do business. Therefore, in, in, and, and I also know that I'm, I'm pretty busy, as, as they are, I'm also um, moving in a direction that's going to be time efficient. So what do I want them to get? I want them to get that I'm capturing information, so I'm a professional. I want them to kind of start feeling like we're actually we're workshopping and I'm capturing information which I'm going to tell buyers about. Um, so they're kind of two things for me that are important. Are it takes you, no more time to do a couple of notes along the way than it does to, to I, do I that. presume, John, you're, as you're walking through and looking at the house, the questions are, are flowing during that tour. Correct. Um, so a big part of the first listing presentation or the listing presentation or the beginning of the listing presentation is connecting. If they like and trust you, there's a strong chance they'll find a way to do business with you. The rest of the stuff is almost secondary. If they don't like and don't trust you, no matter how good you are, you're behind the eight ball. So what's the best way to get people to like and trust you is find out more about them. So tell me, Tom, what's it like working at News, News Limited? How long you been there? What's your role? What does that entail? Um, not in a robotic, but I'm actually genuinely interested in people. And if someone says, well, I work in the police force or I work as a designer for Burberry, I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah. So you've got to make sure you're authentically interested. How do you do that? You just switch it on inside because life's far more interesting than fiction. Yeah. Um, and, and if you really want to get into a good quality conversation, start asking better quality questions with a genuine desire to want to know more because people pick it. If you're walking through and you're kind of, you remember John and Tom said on a podcast, I'll ask lots of questions, it's going to feel like that. It was interesting. I'll divert for a minute. I had a, a chat with one of our suppliers recently and, and we were talking about, and I won't go into the detail because I'll probably give away who they are, but we were talking about a process that they deliver and, and the feeling was that it was suboptimal. It wasn't quite where we yeah. wanted it. Uh, and this person who's a sort of a consultant, actually they're slightly outside the loop, but they're consulting in, and they, can, they said, I can tell the person that's doing this is not passionate, even though it appeared to be a kind of fairly robotic process. And he said to me, which was fascinating, he said, I can tell when the person behind the machine that delivered that was passionate when they were clicking the mouse, it shows up everywhere. Wow. And it was really powerful. And this guy is like the Michelangelo of his field, wow. his profession. And uh, he could tell that. He could say, is it good? Yes. Is it tradesmanlike? Yes. Would most people see a flaw? No. Was it passionate? No. He said, I can tell a passionate service provider. So I think the same thing. So as you're walking through, you're definitely asking them questions that are relevant to the sale going forward. So that's kind of, tell me, when do you re renovated the bathroom, that bench top in the kitchen, what sort of that, that floor, timber floor, what sort of timber is that? Stuff that you think is actually factually important to know about or stuff you find interesting. Then, of course, it's the time you sit down and you really start to connect with the client, which is you know, often in a, in a family room, over a cup of tea or coffee, and, and, and it's now kind of time for business. Things there that I think are really important, and, and one of them which we've mentioned on the podcast before is, you know, Tom, tell me when you last sold, because I assume when you bought this home, you probably sold another one. What was the experience like? Um, because that starts getting me into the mindset of, are you, are you excited? Are you nervous? Are you an angry kind of potential vendor because you were yeah. screwed over last time. Um, so I kind of, I want to get your perspective and I want to learn from that. So when you say to me, John, I had a bad experience, I auctioned it twice because the agents kept overvaluing it. 
and I needed someone to pull me up and say, look, you're being unrealistic. I wish someone had. That's given me a great hint that, you know, the, the valuation of the property and the directness and the honesty um, is critical. Not that I wouldn't approach it that way anyway, but it's something I can say, you know, it's easy for me to say, Tom, 2.2 million, which others have said to you, but my problem is I don't want to go down the same route you did six years ago yeah. when you bought the home. So I'm saying I think there's a, it's a number with a two in front of it, but how far above that, we have to wait and see because I don't want to be the same as the agents from six years ago that kind of took you down the wrong path. So I think last time you saw was what was important to you. <coughs> I, then I often ask a question which is along the lines of, you know, Tom, as you approach the sale, how are you feeling? Are you excited or are you stressed? What could I do to help you prepare the home for sale? So there's a bit around, you know, then again, it's, you know, is it chocolate or vanilla? Are you excited or stressed? It's easy for me to respond. Yeah. And I might say a bit of both. Great, what are you stressed about? Well, I'm stressed because I've bought this other property down the road and I'm stressed I don't get it. Okay, anything else? Well, I've also got six or seven things to do and I've got three kids and I've got a job and my husband's away for the next month or my wife's away for the next month, so I'm juggling yeah. everything. I says, okay, why don't you tell me the things, the six things, and then I can maybe put a plan in place to take them off your plate? Because that's part of our service. costs you no yeah. more to have me get ready. Um, so I think, you know, asking if they're excited or stressed, last time you, uh, you sold a property, what was it like? That's important. I often say to people, and what are you looking for in an agent? If I could just be upfront yeah. and honest, if I was your agent and I did a great job, tell me some of the experiences that you would expect to have. And then people say, well, geez, I'm looking for someone I can trust. Great, trust is important. Anything else? Well, obviously I want to get the most amount of my property. Okay, maximising price, trust, anything else? Well, I want discretion because I'm going through a divorce and I don't want the whole world knowing, yeah. so I need to have an agent that doesn't blurt out to everyone that I'm a desperate vendor going through a divorce. So get them to tell you how to present back to them yeah. what's important. Not much else. People will develop their own little questions along the way, but I think that's just a good... They're three starting questions. But, uh, John, I, I like the, the approach there because it seems to have a, a, a balance of three things. The first one is... It's got enthusiasm, but enthusiasm alone doesn't pay well when you don't solve a problem because you can be enthusiastic and, and solve no problem. The second bit is you're finding out what their pain points are and then you're, address yeah, you're, you're addressing it. And um, the third thing, which I think is the most important, and I want to highlight it, is you're saying be asking these questions not because they're on this podcast or they're at your last training program because if you sound like you're going through a checklist this is what I've got to do your authenticity is not going to be there but if you ask those questions from a human curiosity factor that's what people with, with genuine interest not yeah. robotic I've been told to ask this the last just a couple as you were saying that Tom came up and these are kind of getting towards more basics but they do move things forward I'll often say Tom, when ideally would you like to be on the market? It kind of sounds like a simple question, but not many agents ask it. Yeah. A lot of them come along, they, you know, isn't it a lovely home? And yes, well, I think auction would suit this, and here's why I think we're the best agent. But you've got to come down to some basics. Tim, when do you want to be on the market? Because your answer might be, well, not for three months. In which case, I'm not going to start showing you auction, auction dates and so forth, because it's too early. You're, you're in the early stage of research. Well, that's, John, it's a valid point because there are a lot of young agents out there that sometimes are talking about fee and marketing plan for people that are coming on the market in 2017. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. 
it's um, it's really uh, really important to know where your client is in the life cycle. And sometimes, if you dig a bit deeper, and someone says, "Well, I don't think I'm ready for six months," and then then you know you ask why, and maybe it, there might be some merit in them getting to the market sooner than later. I had one the other day. I forgot where it was. Anyway, I'll remember later. But I was talking to a vendor with one of my agents, and and they said, "Well, look, you know, we want to go. We want to be in the market now, but we're not in a hurry." And I said, "Let me give you a perspective on that. By the way, I'm, I, I want to make this time frame work for you. And if you want to be on the market sooner than later, we can do that. Or if you want to wait for a month, we can do that. What I recommend, though, is to, don't take the view that you're not in a hurry, because almost inevitably, the best price is in the first 30 days. So whilst you're not." Uh, theoretically in a hurry, if we go to market and we don't get the property sold in the first 30 days, I will almost guarantee you, I'll certainly have a high, there's a high level of likelihood that the price we get will be somewhat compromised, especially if we slip another one, two or three months down. So I'm trying to educate the client because I believe the best price comes in the first 30 days every time. Yeah. You know, try and point out the number of record sales that have been made six months after listing and there ain't many versus people that ended up getting a much lesser price than they'd hoped for and they should have got because it went stale and everyone lost interest, including the vendor, and they had third agent down the track. So I always say to people, you know, you tell me when you're ready to go, but when you're ready to go, I'll present you a plan that is likely to get your property sold in 30 days. Not because you're in a hurry, not because I want to get my hands on the commission, but because that's when we'll get the best price. So, yeah, this is all about education. It's really important to get the education piece done. Um, uh, guys, the questions that um, you, you put forward in this podcast, John, I've got all those questions, both as a pre-list and as a list, not for, them, not for our uh, audience to go off and uh, sound like a parrot when they say them, but as a guide for them to internalise and make theirs. And yeah. everyone likes uh, getting takeaway information, so I'll put those up on the website. I've got them broken down as pre-list questions and listing presentation questions. But I think the secret of it all is you internalise things, you mean it from the heart, and yeah. you sound like you're giving advice to another friend. That's when it works. And Tommy, you know, we talk about scripts and dialogues, and some people almost take offence because they say, well, that doesn't sound real, and yet you guys talk about authenticity. You learn them so you can forget them. It's, it's, it's a direction. It's, it's not a canned pitch, but if you don't learn them, you're going to be fluttering through a presentation and you're going to forget to ask a few key things and therefore you're not going to be able to give the client the best uh, service. And yeah, one, I think I put it up at one of your real estate gyms, I put up uh, the saying and had the Rabbitohs players there and it, it said, um, don't learn it until you get it right, learn it until you can't get it wrong. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of thing, you know, it, th- you've got to be, and, and something I used last week in a presentation, I, I said, are you ready to go pro? Yeah. And I, I heard that over the break um, at a presentation, on a podcast, sorry. And uh, it might have even been the success, was that called, that one? Yeah, it was Pierce. Actually, uh, um, you, I, I've heard that twice too. I heard it on the podcast, the yeah. Real Estate uh, Advanced Selling Podcast. Right. And I think Piers Van Hamburg said he, might have he said changed it. his life when he decided to go pro. Go pro. Great. So, uh, and I was at that presentation too. Yeah. That was the one at Leichhardt, right? Yeah. And, but also I heard it subsequently in the exact words, you have to decide if you're ready to go pro. Because a professional arrives 15 minutes before. A professional does an hour or two or three's worth of research before they arrive at a listing. A professional asks questions that allow the client to clarify their mind and their thoughts and reach a better place and make a better decision. A professional 
agent has a negotiation strategy that ensures they don't leave any money on the table. A professional doesn't write their own ads, they get a professional copywriter. They don't take their own photos, they get a professional. They're starting to use videos because people now on digital want videos and so forth. So there are certain things in the column of amateur doing my best, typical real estate agent, versus next column, which is professional, world-class benchmark. You need to be doing everything in the world-class benchmark. And we talk about them every week, and you guys, yeah. you know, if you come to ARIC, you'll see 35 of them. So... Um, Good. So is that, is that the yeah. finish of our Q&A Tuesday? That is. Uh, next week we're going to do a, a topic that gets asked all the time, and that is how to follow up without being desperate. How to stay in contact right. with people without sounding like, oh, I'm calling you up because my CRM system has put up a flag that it's time that I speak to you. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm trying to make budget, so are you ready to list? Yeah. yeah. Just before we go, on, we talk about that. You and I listen to, is it? Entrepreneurs on Fire. Yeah. Oh, I love that. He's good, isn't He's he? He's a great podcast. He's got a funny name. Yeah, Rick Yeah, It's got an almost a French name, yeah. Dumais or I thought, something. Actually, I thought it was more Greek than French. <laughs> anyway, but, but <laughs> give him a break. Give him a break. <laughs> but, but he said, interesting, Troy, we might have to up our benchmark and go pro. He does a podcast a day, seven days a week. Yeah. Now, by the way, listeners, don't get, don't freak out because we're not going, we're not going to ruin your lives by, by doing that because you'd all be tuning out. Oh, but John, he's been doing it for years. Yeah, I think he's up to like podcast one thousand one hundred or something, and each one of them is brilliant. And I just think it's, it kind of feels easy doing these podcasts, and we love doing them. But to do one a day, seven days a week, all year round, is a phenomenal effort. That's that's pro. That's yeah. professional. And he, and also, by the way, you know, we talk about scripts and dialogues. He starts with a very tight. He always gives a brief description and then he says, tell me what have I missed and give me a little bit of a glimpse into your personal life. And kind of that gets it rolling and he generally has themes. At the moment he's talking about smart goals, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time bound. Um, and, he's, and he's asking everyone about you know, their goals and how they do it. So he's got a bit of a theme happening. But I, I just love people that go to that much effort to get it right. Yeah. And, and he's great. So everyone should go and... Entrepreneurs on fire... And for those... Uh, John Lee Dumas, I think it might it. be. Well, John Lee I mean, Dumas. I don't know. Look. Doesn't I'll sound it, Greek to me. I'll leave it to you guys. <laughs> but uh, to all our listeners there, I'd make you make up your own mind. Dumas? Dumas? Does that sound French? Or does that <laughs> sound Greek. from Athens? <laughs> guys, great to see you again. We'll Talk see you, you next week. week. See you then. Bye, guys. Bye.